State of the division for the NL Central. This is Ryan Fickelstein, managing editor at Just Baseball. We've got Clay Snowden, one of our talented writers here. And we were talking over the weekend about what is maybe the stupidest rule ever. And I wanted to discuss it on the show today. They're no longer doing a game 163. Now, I knew that, but I didn't really think about the implications. So in this division in particular, if the Cardinals and the Brewers finish the season with the exact same record, and neither of them are in position to be a wild card team. Then what we're looking at is a tiebreaker. Whoever wins the season series wins the division. A division could be decided on a freaking tiebreaker. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I hate that. The 163, I don't remember the reason why they moved away from it. I'm sure it was just the best reason in the world. But I, I could tell you that it's it's because of the wild card series now being three games, and they don't want to push the the following series, the DS, so far back for the teams that get a bye. So the idea being if you play a 163, that's an extra day, and that continues to push everything back already. It's looking like the World Series could will finish if it goes to a seventh game. It'd be November fifth, so it's it's the idea of not trying to push things too far back. But to me, get it right. Get yeah. let, 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 I mean, if these two teams end up tied up, like why not give them that chance to win the division in a one sixty three? I agree. Just the one sixty three has to be good for baseball, in my opinion. Even if it pushes things back a day or two. That will get a ton of views. I mean, you're you're not talking about a tiebreaker for some, you know, finishing third or consolation bracket here. We're talking about a division. I don't think it should be decided by the tiebreaker, but that that's how they're going right now. What what's the updated tiebreaker if it, if it were to end today? So you're looking at the season series, the Cardinals by winning this weekend uh, by taking two or three, they gave themselves an edge. They have a game lead. They've taken eight of fifteen. I mean, these two teams are as evenly matched as any two teams in any division in baseball right now. They have now, we're looking at the schedule, a pair of two-game series to close out this season. You got a two-gamer in St. Louis, September 13th, September 14th. And then you got another one uh, at the end of September in Milwaukee, 27th and the 28th. So if they split both of those two-game sets, which generally can happen in a two-game series, then the Cardinals would have the one game edge on the season series. And what if there's like a rain out or something and they tie, they tie the other, you know, they end up tied at the end of the season. Tie tie. It's all tied. Then then all of a sudden they're like, all right, well uh, we'll go to the second tiebreaker, which is NL record or some BS. The one thing, (laughs) the one thing I will say is if they were to finish tied, you could kind of justify all right, there was 19 matchups between these two teams throughout a season, and the Cardinals won more. But if it's only if it does come down to, uh, you know, a, a tied record, and it's it's you know whatever it is, I guess 10 wins for the Cardinals on the season, nine for the Brewers. Like that is such a tough pill to swallow. You almost would rather, if you're the Brewers, to like convincingly lose the yeah. season series. So it's like, well, yeah, they did have the better of us all year, and that's why they end up winners. But it, yeah, it's a you, crazy thing that could happen. 
you don't want to remember the game in April when like Luis Padermo pitched four bad innings and that's what ended up costing you the, the series or, or the uh, division at the end of the year. That's not what you want to happen. What I would rather happen is Corbin Burns versus Adam Wainwright in a game 163. That's yeah. what I would rather see happen. Me too. And the winner of the season series can get home field in that game 163. That would yep. be the way I would decide it. But regardless there is still a pretty good chance we don't see these two teams have an even record. Uh, the Cardinals did a good job this weekend. We're seeing them, you know, now they add the couple stars at the deadline uh, that we're seeing, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado, the best duo in baseball. And Albert Pujols had a big game to a multi home run game in the series clincher on Sunday, I believe. And now they are a game and a half up on the Brewers. Yeah, Albert Pujols was the guy that I uh, I honestly thought it was embarrassing that they signed him. I thought a team with you know aspirations as high as the Cardinals would not fall into this fairy tale you know story ending type season for Albert Pujols. And I honestly thought he could be on the Phantom IL for the rest of the year at some point. I even wrote an article about yeah, how M- Molina and Pujols are holding them back. Um, well, he's proven me wrong. He's looked pretty good. It's still a limited role. And at the end of the day, like how much is he actually going to provide? I know leadership's not something that you can find on fan graphs and locker room chemistry, but, um, good for him. Another moment in a huge series, the biggest series of the year so far for these two teams and Albert Pujols delivered another moment that took us all back in time. Yeah. And and if you were a Cardinals fan in the ballpark, I'm sure that's a game you'll never forget. The one thing I will say that we can find in Fangrass are his splits against left-handed pitching. If this guy wanted to come back, he could still do it as far as that singular role. Now, he's gotten 124 plate appearances against right-handed pitching. That hasn't worked out. 176 average. But he's hitting 351 against lefties, has six home runs. Uh, you go to his WRC plus against left-handed pitching of 183 uh, on base percentage 386, slugging 662. The guy still mashes lefties, and I feel like he could do this for another five years. If he really wanted to get to 700, he could stick around for at least one more year in that type of a role. If he, if he really wanted to, he's at, was it, 780 or 689 now? He's 11 yeah. away, which was funny. I saw a couple people saying he's making a push. I'm like, dude, he has 10 home runs on the season, and what, he's going to hit 11 in the final two months? Like, I can guarantee here. there will be juice balls if he gets within three of – of the of 700 in September, you know, oh man, here's Albert Pujols with juice balls. I bet it would happen. Baseball would make that happen. At least it would. The only thing I think could theoretically happen is he could maybe catch a rod. I think a rod 696. Yeah. He can maybe get there, but I just don't see him getting to 700. Even with throw the juice balls out there. I still don't think that they could juice him quite enough. Uh, to get him over the hump there. But hey, he's proved us wrong. We all thought it was a joke that he was in the home run derby too. And he proved us wrong. We all thought he was a joke. Now it is funny that like, I understand why splits against lefties are better for a right-handed hitter or vice versa for a left-handed, but that is so freaking drastic, <laughs> like incredibly drastic. Like, does he not remember how to hit it all against a righty? But at the end of the day, he can't play a position. He's just a, wrong side of the platoon dh like that's the type of player that may get an opportunity to bring some fans in if he signs with oakland or something but i don't see Pujols doing that so it's either cardinals or bust for him i would imagine for the rest of his career if he decides to come back 
Yeah, I wonder if they want him back. And I think the the one reason why for him in particular, I think it works is if you think about it, there's not many hard throwing lefties. I think mm-hmm. that's part of it because I think Pujols is at a stage of his career where I think the velocity probably eats him up pretty good, which yeah. generally happens as hitters get older. Uh, let's move on though. So obviously this division at, at this point, it comes down to Cardinals Brewers, but there's other teams to follow. Uh, you know, what can you watch? I guess down the stretch here from the other three teams in Pittsburgh, we want to talk a little bit about O'Neill Cruz. Here's this top prospect, super flashy. You know, whenever he does anything, it pops up on Twitter and it feels like the guy is tearing it up. But then we look kind of uh, under the hood at the numbers here. It's what is it, 40 or 22 games played? That no, I was right, 46 games played this year. He's hitting 200, 247 on base, 406 slugging, WRC plus of 78, striking out almost 37% of the time. Not yeah. great for O'Neill Cruz at this point. And we were talking off air that like it just feels like he's some like 19-year-old freak athlete that just got called up and like, you know, has barely played any pro ball. Like he's 23 years old. He's been around for a while in the minors. Um, made his debut last year. He just there's too many times where his at-bats do not look competitive at all. Yeah. Like he's up there just swinging. It does not look like a focused swing. It doesn't look like he's zoned in and ready to go. Um, it's kind of just like a lackluster attempt. Um, and I don't want to call out anyone's effort because I really don't know what's going on, you know, in Pittsburgh. But there's, I wouldn't say concern in terms of like projectability long-term. Um, but it's definitely not the start you want. Yeah. Anytime you're striking out that much with that much swing and miss, um, hopefully it's just a little bit of a you know a rookie bump and he he improves. But if he doesn't, let's just say he doesn't, that's the number one piece in Pittsburgh going forward that just falls to the wayside, which is terrible for a team that's been in a perpetual rebuild. When you're thinking about you're looking at what he did in triple A this year. It's not like you tore the cover off the ball. He had 232, 336 on base, 422 slugging, 103 WRC plus. The one cop comp that just kind of came to my head that's interesting is looking at what Aaron Judge did in his mm-hmm. first season because it was about as bad as it gets. He played 27 games, struck out 44% of the time, hit 179, uh, 263 on base, WRC plus of 62. The following year, he had 52 bombs, hit 284, uh, 422 on base, 174 WRC+. plus. So not saying he's going to become Aaron Judge, but we have seen a- another guy of a similar stature kind of figure yeah. it out. So it, we're, it's not like we can, we're can we going to give up on O'Neill Cruz yet, but he's going to play out the remainder of this season. Hopefully he gets a little more comfortable, and then maybe next year at the full offseason we see a better version of him because right now, like you said, this rebuild for the Pirates, a lot of it is kind of staked to this idea that they'll have Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz next to each other leading into the future. Hayes has done pretty good this season as far as after having kind of similar struggles last year. He's a little bit better in the defense. Yeah, That's always going to kind of help him. You know, it yeah. raises his floor, but uh, not on a ton to watch in Pittsburgh. And uh, is there anything to watch in Cincy right now or? There's extremely little to watch. Even as a Cincinnati Reds fan, it's hard for me to. And I know I say that I'm wearing a Pirates hat. So it's just a thing. Ethan, who who does this podcast often, 
him and I just wear hats of all of the NL Central team. So I decided the Pirates was going to be the move today, but I am a Reds fan, and um, it's hard to watch games. It really is. And it's, you know, you you watch it because you're a fan, and, you know, there's certain things you look for, but I just have zero interest in watching Mike Moustakis, Kyle Farmer, Albert Almora Jr., anyone of that build, like, it's just getting kind of to the point where it's I'm burning out on watching some of these players. But one player who's actually standing out is Jake Fraley, who's hitting like over 400 since he came back from the IL. And he said, you know, he got traded over to Cincinnati this offseason in the Jesse Winker deal. Like 25 years old, I believe, um, probably projects more as a fourth outfielder. And when he started the year, he was awful. Batted like 100, got injured on the IL forever. And was having some like mental health issues with it and really struggling to find his place and got some help, came back confident. And after the deadline, there's been some openings in the outfield and he's really showing his worth. And now he's starting to kind of factor into that. Could this guy be a platoon? He can't, he's left-handed and he can't hit lefty. So could this guy be a platoon guy going forward? If so, that's huge for the Reds. He's been interesting in Alexis Diaz, one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Edwin Diaz of the New York Mets, your team, his brother. And he's more than just Edwin's brother. This guy's establishing himself. He's bona fide 1.83 ERA, um, over 12 Ks per nine. He has closer stuff. And the Reds have been trotting out Hunter Strickland, who's statistically one of the worst pitchers in the MLB to close games. I think that's about to change. Alexis Diaz has five saves on the year. I could see him getting a lot more opportunity down the stretch here. And those are two guys that, look, are going to be part of the future. Obviously, Diaz just getting the start to his career freely. I'm looking at it right now. Not a free agent until 2027. So a controllable piece that can keep it in that outfield, whether that is as a platoon starter or a fourth outfielder. Uh, they got some options there. And obviously, down the stretch, hopefully we'll see some more prospects promoted that we can talk about on state here. Uh, that'll give us some some maybe uh, more exciting Reds content. Uh, we close things out with the Cubs. I just don't like watching the Cubs play baseball, but I did see uh, uh, Fran Mill Reyes get a big hit late, and Wrigley Field was on fire. Christopher Morrell was 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 cheering outside the dugout. Wilson Contreras scored on the play. You wouldn't even know how many games under five hundred the Cubs were if you watched that one video. Here he is, though. Uh, you know, hitting three fifty three as a Cub in four games. Nice little pickup for them, right? I mean, no harm, no foul. I love watching Reyes. And it's it's not like I'd necessarily like want him to be a centerpiece of my team. There's a lot of swing and miss there. But this is a guy who is literally with his age and production on pace for close to 500 home runs. Like coming into the year, if you took his pace and his age, he would get to right at or around 500 That's home crazy. runs. And um, I think people just forget how young he is. He was a good hitter last year. Um, he wasn't great by any means. He doesn't walk. He strikes out, but he has tons of pop. I was surprised that Cle- that that Cleveland moved on from him after he's shown some production, and he was a big part of their trade piece. But four point five million hits waivers. Everyone knew he wouldn't last very long on waivers. It's just which team would get him and be willing to pay the four point five. Cubs were, were smart. We know that they're not afraid to spend some. They pick him up, still under team control. At the very minimum, he finishes out this year. He's bad. You move on. No big deal. You just pay the money. 
at the high level, Fran Mill Reyes could turn into a legitimate trade piece as early as next deadline. And the amount he'll get paid next year will be a bump up from 4.5, but not significantly due to his numbers this year. I like the move. Change of scenery, maybe. You never know what that can do to a guy getting a new hitting coach, whatever it may be. Anytime you see a guy with that much raw power come up for just his salary, you don't have to trade anything for him. I take that move 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I'm looking right now under control for two more years. You know, you got 102 career home runs uh, in five seasons. Yeah, the guy is a really interesting player. You put him in that small ballpark, all the ballparks really in the NL Central. I feel like he can hit even more home runs there. I like it. And, you know, just kind of a last note on this. I know you and me, I don't know if we talked about it on a podcast or just on one of our conversations, but the, the Cubs have this uh, in in between inning uh, graphic that they like yeah. to pull out Yeah, where it's like road tripping. And it's like, this is where Frank Schwindel was all the different places. He sucked before he landed with us. This is where, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, whoever else it was. Um, hey, to... here, here's Drew Smiley. Yeah. He Patrick failed at all of these places. Let's remind him of the times he failed. And now look, here he is with us, and he finally found a home. Uh, I think Fran Reyes, unfortunately for them, only has a couple stops, but they like to go through the minor leagues and show you the whole journey. So, yeah, you know, San Diego, yeah. Cleveland, now Chicago, he fits the build. These are the type of players they've been targeting recently, and honestly, it's worked out pretty well for them. And the one last note on Fran Reyes, the uh, Guardians had a – September promo game of a Fran Mill Reyes bobblehead. So they were willing to DFA him and waste, you know, 20,000 bobbleheads or whatever it may be. The Reds did this a few years ago. They traded or cut Johnny Gomes. It's like 2013 or whatever, like the day or day before his bobblehead day. And I'm like 99% sure they still gave out the bobbleheads and it became like a collector's item of sorts or maybe whatever. they'll do that. Maybe they'll still give them out. Franville I mean, Reyes had a great couple years for us. Uh, yeah. Here's some bobbleheads to remember him by. Yeah. We won't, like even, we won't even give him. We don't even, the, maybe they just put him outside the stadium. Yep. I would be all about that. You're so, a Guardians fan okay. walking the street. Just grab one. Quick note about that. Everyone gives out promos before you enter the state or as you enter in the stadium. Correct. Yeah. I went to a Rockies game. The way you got the promo was after you leave the game, if as long as it's past the seventh inning, in order to keep fans there, I love it because yeah. what happens is you go to these Reds games that are giving out bobbleheads, and all these dweebs line up at two hours before, get the bobblehead, and leave, and then post it on eBay for twenty five bucks or whatever it is. It's it's really strange. Um, I like the idea of when you leave, you get the promo. What these people in the that? ballpark, yeah. No, I like it. I mean, if you're trying to, uh, you know, I, I I just wonder if, if for them, does it matter as much to keep people in the ballpark or just to get them in the ballpark? Uh, but I, I guess either way, the, the ticket sales probably aren't going to be impacted much. So, yeah, reward the people that stick around. Yeah, I'm all about Although it. the bad thing would be if everyone leaves and they don't care about the bobblehead and then you're you have you're like giving people two bobbleheads, the, the few that stayed. It is kind of funny. So the giveaway at the Rockies game was like some energy efficient light bulb. And I obviously had no interest in, you know, 
put putting that Why? back on my flight home or anything. Like, what am I gonna do with one light bulb? You know? Did it have like a like a Rockies logo on it? Or was it just I don't remember bulb? what the connection was, but it was you know obviously sponsored by some light bulb company. And I was oh like, I, everyone leaving was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's see, like how obscure. Like, here's a bag of Cheez Its as our giveaway. You know, here's a, a bottle of water, uh, which yeah. actually would be. Pretty nice. Uh, if you asked me going into a stadium, if I could have like a bobblehead of Jake Fraley or a bottle of water, if I was at a Reds game, I would take the bottle of water. You're personally. sick, man. You're sick. <laughs> All right. That was the state of the AL Central for this State of the Division podcast. Make sure you're following us on YouTube and our podcast feed. And also check out all the articles we got pumping at justbaseball.com that will filter in to these podcasts as well.